0: And welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for what is now episode 124. And as always, you are joined by your hosts, Tiara and Jack. Now we have got a great Q&A lined up for you today. So jumping straight into the first question, Jack, this one says, I'm not feeling hungry as much in a deficit. Is this an indication that I may be at a new maintenance and need to drop my calories further? I've been in a deficit for five months.
1: Cool. Well, that's a good question. And the first thing I would look at straight away or ask this individual is, are they tracking their body weight? Mm -hmm. Because from the way that they've uh, phrased the question, it sounds like that they might not be because you should know based on your daily weigh-ins or however frequently you're taking your body weight, whether you are at a maintenance or not, uh, which is kind of a little bit irrelevant to your hunger. It's kind of like correlation versus causation, or I think, is that correct? Is it just because you see a trend doesn't mean it's due to that thing that is happening alongside the
0: trend? Yeah, that's right. And that's a great point to make in that if you are in a calorie deficit, your body weight is going to be changing. Mm. So for example, your body weight changing is different to your body composition changing. So Potentially you could be at caloric maintenance and you could be experiencing visual changes in your body composition, but your body weight would be staying the same. But if you are in a calorie deficit over time, your scale weight should be trending downwards. Mm.
1: So the short answer to this question is no, just because you're not hungry doesn't mean uh, you're not in a calorie deficit Mm -hmm. or not losing weight. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're at maintenance either. So it's purely representative of what the scale says. Mm-hmm. And your hunger your hunger is very determinant on a number of factors. Of course, being in a calorie deficit and losing body weight and reducing your body fat levels is uh, things that will influence hunger quite directly, but it's not the be all and end all. Uh, there is a, a lot of other factors that go into play like stress, We know that people of a higher body fat, uh, they will have lower hunger levels uh, compared to someone who is leaner while dieting.
0: Yeah, that's why it's a reasonable question to ask because Mm. this person did indicate that they've been in a caloric deficit for five months. And if you are still in a caloric deficit, then you will probably still be losing weight. Mm. But as you would expect, if you've chronically been dieting for five months, and I would argue that five months of dieting, you know, that is considered chronic. That definitely ain't acute. You're going on half a year. Then you would expect think, to be I think, hungry.
1: I think six months, I, I know for chronic pain, cause I had chronic pain with my back. Mm-hmm. It's six months plus.
0: Okay. So, so chronic- I don't know
1: if it applies to dieting. I've never heard of the Chronic dieting, given a time frame.
0: Yeah. Well. Okay. Well, then maybe we should give it a time frame. <laughs> yeah. Borderline. You've been yeah. dieting for a good amount of time, <laughs> longer than five days, near non on five months. Longer than uh,
1: some bodybuilders' diet form. Yeah. For their exactly. Parameters. But
0: that's why it's a reasonable question because you would expect, man, if I've been dieting for five months, I w- should be hungry. Mm. So just identify these trends. Like, is your change in hunger signals is that acute? And then again, you can do some investigating to see, okay, is this related to anything going on in my life? You know, mm. is something drawing my focus away from food because my mind just needs to be elsewhere and my cognition needs to be in another area of life. And that's temporarily drawing away from my hunger.
1: Yeah. For like, yeah, for example, for me, I'll notice that, uh, even in, when I was in prep, If if something occurred during the day, or let's say I had a little bit of a back niggle, uh, that for me would increase my stress a little bit. I would worry about it a little bit, and therefore I wouldn't be as focused on food. And Mm -hmm. that would take away from my appetite. So there's lots of other stresses that uh, some people respond to stresses with, Not necessarily an increase in appetite, but an increase in desire for food Mm -hmm. uh, as a distraction or as a coping mechanism.
0: I find it really depends on your environment. So, for example, if you were stressed and you were standing in the middle of Bunnings, (laughs) like you might not get insanely hungry, right? Like you might not be like, oh, God, I want to use food as a coping mechanism for this. But if you were at home and something happened and you were stressed out and you were just standing in the kitchen... And you didn't have anything planned that you that needed your urgent attention at that time then i think it would be easier to look to food as a coping mechanism there Mm. so i think it really ties in with your environment too Mm. but maybe if you are experiencing reduced hunger at this point after dieting for five months it might not be an indication that you're at maintenance but perhaps your energy deficit gap that you've created yourself just through natural metabolic adaptation that started to narrow. Mm. So you're in slightly less of a caloric deficit, but you're still in a slight caloric deficit.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think a little bit of a side tangent as well is that often I find that people expect hunger immediately, or they expect an incredible amount of hunger just because they begin to lose weight. But that's just not the case Mm -hmm. and which
0: is a good thing yeah
1: it is a good thing
0: yeah so sometimes like when you are working with a client and they're entering into a dieting phase and you check in after one week and it's always nice when they're like yeah you know like I was expecting to be hungrier because calories dropped by 500 from what they were previously but haven't even felt hungry and you're like Mm. that's great yeah
1: and expected and it it'll ultimately come down to your food choices as well, that will play a significant role. So are you having slower digesting options? You're having a decent amount of dietary fiber per day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are you choosing more satiating foods? Uh, Things like that.
0: And I think a huge thing that plays in with it too, and you and I both experience this in comp prep is really comes down to your body composition and Mm -hmm. your total energy availability. So for example, If you are more aggressive at the start of prep and you cut your calories by quite a bit, uh, you might not feel hungry, you know, because you still have more body fat on you and your body's still producing more leptin from those fat cells. But then, perhaps at the very tail end of prep, you could actually technically be reverse dieting on the same amount of carbohydrates and the same calories that you started dieting on at the beginning of prep, but you you're just starving man Mm. and you're exhausted during the day so there's two ends of the spectrum there so if you are at a very lean body composition no matter how much you're eating if you're still in a slight deficit oh you're gonna feel it
1: or even at maintenance yeah yeah
0: yeah you're gonna feel it you're just like i need more food i need more energy
1: cool so i think that's pretty much wrapped up that question and my main recommendation for for anyone in this situation is just to track your body weight, get that weekly average, and then you can have a more educated decision in terms of, are you actually still in a deficit? Because it is ultimately unrelated to your appetite.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Data is key. So this next question might be a little bit controversial. This one asks, are vegan bodybuilders at a disadvantage to omnivorous ones?
1: So they certainly can be. Mm -hmm. And if they don't optimize things, because... Just being honest it is more difficult as a vegan to optimize your diet for gaining muscle and your protein quality compared to someone who consumes animal products and that doesn't even mean meat Uh, like the the protein quality of animal products aside from meat like dairy and eggs and eggs is is very high so i would argue that vegetarians like again it's quite easy obviously omnivorous individuals. Again, very easy. But when you start becoming vegan, then that's when it becomes a little bit more difficult. Mm
0: -hmm. But just because it's difficult doesn't mean that you can't do it. You just have to apply more intelligence, more strategy, and you just...
1: Got to have a plan.
0: Yeah, you got to have a plan in place.
1: Totally. So the reason why it might be a little bit more difficult, and of course, I don't... I guess we should both disclaim that. We don't have anything... Uh, remotely against vegan diets or people who are vegan or vegetarian
0: go plants man yeah. i've got plenty of vegan clients mm. and i'm gonna You're doing th- a
1: favor for the environment and the earth like
0: oh heck yeah. yeah and for your health too and i would argue here i'm gonna stick up for people who d- decide to follow a vegan dietary pattern there's probably a lot of vegans out there who are a hell of a lot more healthy than omnivores mm. you know Ult- ultimately guys your dietary pattern think about what you're getting out of the food that you're eating you're getting nutrients and no matter what sort of dietary pattern you decide to follow as a human being we all require essential nutrients no matter where we get those from we all require them in order to optimize our health
1: hey guys just a reminder that we post regular content on our instagram and youtube channel you can find those platforms by searching the bodybuilding dietitians see you there yeah, totally. And I guess that brings it back to why it is a little bit trickier with, uh, with a vegan approach because we know when it comes to protein intake and muscle building, there are a few elements to consider. So protein quality and protein distribution, uh, total protein intake as well. So protein distribution is, doesn't really change. Like That's just how you distrib- distribute protein. Again, total protein doesn't even really change because it's just about getting enough in throughout the day mm-hmm. uh, but it, the protein quality is going to be a little bit more difficult to achieve and protein quality essentially means that you're having an adequate amount of amino acid distribution so most notably the essential amino acids uh, which aren't all present in the majority of plant sources mm-hmm. and either not present or not enough quantity of them uh, and also of course an adequate amount of leucine as well mm-hmm. so that's where the plant-based approach kind of Uh, falls down a little bit. However, again, I'm not saying it's not as optimal, we just need to ensure that you are getting an adequate amount distribution and quality whilst considering the the protein quality so getting all your essential amino acids in
0: yeah so that's why i think that if you are an athlete and you want to embark on a bodybuilding journey but you also want to follow a vegan dietary pattern if you really want to optimize things and really get the best results it's worthwhile you know seeking out someone with higher level tertiary education in the area of nutrition and Mm. sports nutrition so that they can really go through your daily dietary patterns with you and help you just do these little things these little one percenters that Mm. really add up and compound over time so ensuring that you are pairing certain plant sources together to make a complete protein and Mm. get a complete amino acid distribution and all of your essential amino acids within each meal and Personally, for all of my vegan clients, just as an insurance policy, I actually get them to supplement with two grams of leucine at every single main meal. And yes, there is some leucine in some plants, of course, but again, you have to be really strategic about consuming certain amounts of plants and certain types within a meal. And even then, it's really hard to actually get enough leucine by combining all of these plants and just ensuring that that's happening at every single main meal, Mm -hmm. you know, at least three to four times per day. And we know that leucine is the most essential amino acid for actually stimulating muscle protein synthesis. And that's fundamental if you're trying to optimize your body compositions. And if you're consuming around 20 grams of an animal based protein, then you are going to hit that leucine threshold of getting at least two grams of leucine. Mm -hmm. So leucine powder, it's pretty cheap, you know, just use it as like an insurance policy. And uh, that's what I do with all of my vegan clients at all of their main meals. I just get them to supplement with two grams of leucine. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. And yeah, something else I was gonna add is, we're talking about leucine, but there's also a bunch of other different food types as well, like even compared to 10 years ago, the the vegan market for meat-free mints or other complete protein sources uh has skyrocketed Mm. and it's so much easier nowadays because ultimately what you don't necessarily want like it's still gonna probably probably be the same for muscle building but you don't want to have like a vegan protein shake at every single meal Mm. just to get your pro your quality of protein in so ideally you want to have like at least two but yeah. preferably like a different protein source at each meal yeah and or well, not even that maybe like two, two to four different protein sources a day ideally and again the good news is that there is a lot to choose from nowadays so we have things like meat-free mince which is often soy based we have things like the vegan protein powders which is usually a blend of different protein types such yeah, as like, like pea and brown rice mm. um and yeah, what are some other options for them?
0: Well, I think soy is always going to be a go-to with things it's very
1: like- very diverse, yeah. Oh
0: yeah, with tofu, with tempeh, with textured vegetable protein, soy, it's pretty awesome. Mm. But for those who aren't petrified of gluten, you can also get amongst the setan, which is awesome. My sister, she's going Not to a... be
1: confused with Satan.
0: No, no not confused <laughs> with Satan. But again, if people are petrified of it, they might be scared of the <laughs> devil too. <laughs> But C-TAN, C-TAN is awesome. My sister, she's been a vegan for going on 15 years now. She's awesome. She's like a medical doctor over living in the UK, doing a PhD at Oxford University. So she's pretty healthy, man. But anyway, whenever we'd go over to her house and she'd cook up this delicious vegan feast, she loved using gluten protein to make like vegan chicken nuggets and stuff like that. So Mm. C-TAN is great. But Obviously, it's not a complete
1: protein, though.
0: No, it's not. So yeah, it's not a complete protein. So you'd need to pair it with another vegan protein source in order to get that full amino acid profile. But we're really looking at those higher protein plants as well. So things like your pulses, so beans and legumes and chickpeas and all that stuff. And particularly because this question was asking about bodybuilders, I personally think it would be a lot easier to say the least to optimize your body composition on a vegan diet. If you were at maintenance calories or in a caloric surplus, but boy, if you are trying to get lean as a bean, getting on a bodybuilding stage, I think that's where things can get a little bit tricky and that's where things can start to get a little bit restrictive because when we're talking about combining all of these different plant proteins, mm. generally these plant proteins, they come from sources that yeah, they have protein in them, but they're generally a great source of carbohydrates too. So people yeah. will be like, lentils, beans, they're gr- they a great source of protein. I'm like, Yeah, they might have a few grams of protein, maybe more than rice, (laughs) but they're also a great source of carbohydrates. And when you are in the sticky end of a prep, you know, and calories are pretty low, then man, you're not consuming too much. So it can be difficult to hit your protein intake if you're trying to get it through all of these other sources. Mm. That's why a diet could potentially have to be a bit more restrictive, Mm. looking at more like plant-based protein powders. Even things like tofu and tempeh, man, sneakily high in fat. Like they need to make a genetically modified soybean that's Mm. lower in fat. That would Mm. just, that would change the game.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Actually on that note, something again, a little bit off topic, but interesting is, okay, so we know that genetically modified meat, it's well, I don't know if that's the correct word. I would say meat that is created in a lab that is from a cellular organism. So, for example, what they might do is cultivate a cell from turkey, and then technically that would be turkey, but maybe not technically mm-hmm. because it's it's not a it's a living thing, but it's not a turkey. <laughs> the turkey hasn't been killed; they just cultivated a cell. They from just a,
0: took one cell, <laughs> and the, and they
1: cultivated it. So it's meat, but it's not meat. Yeah. And my question to you guys is: if you wanna, if you repost this episode, like, or even just. DM us personally, it'd be cool to let you know, uh, or let us know, do you, are you still vegan if you have cell cultivated meat? Mm-hmm. Like I find that a really interesting topic, like the ethics behind it because technically there's nothing has been harmed in that process. And cause from that meat that's grown, you didn't get, you then get more cells from that to mm-hmm. continue producing. So it's, it's really only a matter of time. I think in, in the next 10, 20 years, it's going to be very, very commercially available on mm-hmm. our supermarket shelves. And as soon as that comes out and it's cost-effective for, for me, like I'm definitely going to be buying that.
0: Hey guys, just a reminder that we don't just coach physique athletes, but we do coach anyone with a health and fitness related goal. Therefore, if you are interested in getting in touch with us regarding our coaching services, you can always head over to our website at www.thebodybuildingdietitians.com or alternatively, click the link in the show notes below. Yeah, lab-grown meat, man. You and I, we ain't picky eaters. Like, (laughs) really, just uh, coriander, yeah. (laughs) Take it off the plate. But everything else, we'll eat that. Mm. And gosh, if it's saving the environment, you know, and... Plus, you got
1: to remember, like, they can, uh, on a biological or chemistry level, they can alter that meat to the max in terms. And I don't mean in a bad way. I mean, okay, they can put exactly this amount of amino acids. They can put your leucine threshold in there. They Mm. can put in iron iron and B12. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it is, it is only a matter of, and even taste, they can modify that based on, on like, we know amino acids play into flavor Mm -hmm. and different stuff like that. So it's going to be very, very interesting.
0: Yeah, it will be. And If you guys want a little taste of this pardon the pun would highly recommend this series on netflix called explained Mm. they actually did a mini documentary explaining this and explaining lab-grown meat and i believe it's called the future of meat yeah so yeah
1: that was good yeah
0: Um, i would totally eat it i think the the biggest thing is one cost effectiveness because it
1: costs like a hundred thousand dollars to create one burger patty mm, but so if that, it, that was, was quite a, higher, a few years ago now though. yeah
0: if there was a higher demand for it yeah then that would obviously bring the cost down and also just people getting their head around it all like, it
1: takes is a positive attitude and of course more money
0: yeah i know gosh like people are like i don't want to eat something grown in a lab i want to eat it out of an abattoir it's like mm. come on man you know save the planet
1: yeah and i i'm willing to bet you if You blindfolded someone you don't even have to blindfold someone because they they look the exact same but if Mm -hmm. you don't tell someone where it's come from they would have no idea even some of the the meat free options like even the the plant-based burger patties like they've done taste testing where they put a blindfold on or whatever Mm -hmm. they don't tell which is which because they use some food dye. They might use beetroot. They even fortify it with iron. So it still has that meaty sort of taste, Mm. which I've never really understood why vegans still want a meaty taste. But Mm. anyway, um, yeah,
0: that's, that is something that's always gotten to me, you know, like making a vegan chicken nugget, or you go out to a Chinese restaurant and they have like shrimp made out of tofu or something. I'm mm. like, Why are you still trying to make it look like an animal?
1: Yeah. Well, I guess, do you then make it look like an alien or
0: some sort of (laughs) foreign species? (laughs) Put it into a square rectangle. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, there's obviously reasons behind it. Yeah. uh, To to try and cater for people who potentially aren't Mm. vegan or it's something that we're comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. We're not trying to pretend ignorance. We kind of do Mm. know why, but... It is. It's just interesting.
0: Absolutely. But
1: uh, I can't wait for that. The lab growing meat.
0: I'm excited. You know, you know, like, man, someone with a, with a lab growing meat hit us up Mm. for a sponsorship. (laughs) We'll promote. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the things actually that I would actually have been if I didn't become a bodybuilding dietitian, that's something that does genuinely interest me. Like Mm -hmm. going into that sort of food chemistry and Uh, food science
0: even though you and I boy some of those chemistry exams we really had to (laughs) knuckle down and study for those
1: (laughs) I mean once it was all explained it it was more the what was it the bio 2000 that was yeah biochemistry that was just
0: just on another level messed (laughs) up
1: (laughs) the metabolomics that that got to me big time my my brother actually who he doesn't listen to this but he's uh, studying at Oxford as well mm-hmm. and he he did a a massive uh, research review or something on metabolomics and mm-hmm. like his his intelligence is kind of I think because I'm a triplet for those people who don't know but uh, I think he got probably sixty seven percent of the brains and then, uh, my, my identical twin and myself, we got the rest. But. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there must have be been a lot of brains to go around because you're still pretty damn brilliant, so. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, boy, BIOC 2000, my dear God. If, if, like, once a lecture starts talking about electrons hopping around, like, I'm just like, oh, see you later. I cannot comprehend this, man.
1: Mm. <laughs> yeah, and it, it just makes it worse when you put it on two times speed as well. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway. Uh, but guys, to answer this question, vegan bodybuilders, ultimately it comes down to just making sure that you are well-nourished and just like an omnivorous bodybuilder or an whoever you are as a human being, you need to get all of your essential nutrients in. Mm. And that might be slightly easier if you do choose to consume animal products But it doesn't mean that it's impossible if you just choose to consume plants. Mm.
1: There's plenty of omnivorous people who don't consume enough fruits and vegetables and who Mm -hmm. aren't healthy because of that or they aren't healthy because they only consume meat like the carnivore diet or whatever.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and obviously Jack and I, we did speak a lot about protein, Mm. but obviously there are other essential nutrients that are primarily found in animal products like B12. b12 well that's only found in animal products but your things calcium. like your calcium your zinc your iron all of these great things but again you can get those through plants or usually you do have to look at some sort of supplementation mm. i
1: would say iron and b12 they're usually the number one mm. for supplementation for vegans yeah. but
0: that's why or fortification Fortification's fortification is yeah. awesome other than iron it's like iron man it's a
1: double-edged sword isn't it
0: oh it's i don't get mother nature in that (laughs) sense you know it's like one of the most essential nutrients for health it it binds in our red blood cells it helps carry oxygen around the body we freaking need that stuff but it's like if you consume it with anything else that thing will interfere with its absorption and it's going to try to stop it from getting into your body it's like give me a break.
1: <laughs> and then you have oxalates and tannins, which are in vegetables, which further God. impair that absorption process. But
0: that's the C tan of <laughs> <laughs> the Satan of, uh, of nutrients. That's yeah. for sure. All right, guys. So this next question we're moving on to this one says, can you hypertrophy your abdominal and core muscles?
1: Yes, you certainly can. Mm. And I think I'll give a little shout out to, But people, of course, would already know him. Uh, So Steve from Revive Stronger. Steve Hall. Steve Hall. And we had him on the podcast way back in the day, one of the very early episodes. And he is someone who in his prep from, I think, when was his last prep? 2017, I think.
0: Ooh, quite a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you could see in his his physique from there that uh, genetically his abdominal structure wasn't the most favorable. However, he's actually doing a prep right now. And the difference between his abdominal structure in terms of muscularity and the, the, the actual rectus abdominis, which is the six-pack muscles, is, is quite significant. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you've seen a comparison he's done, but it's actually astounding how, how much he's actually built his core. And that's just been through direct ab training. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think there are some considerations, though, with direct ab training.
0: Mm-hmm. But, ah. The thing that gets me with this is that people think for some reason, the abdominal wall is different to every single other muscle group Mm. in the body. They, they just think that for every other muscle group, you got to build it. But when it comes (sighs) to abs, apparently those are made in the kitchen. Oh my gosh, guys, like it, yes ultimately every person anatomically has a muscle group but that Mm. doesn't necessarily mean that that muscle group is going to be impressive or if you get down to a certain level of body fat boom you know that thing's just gonna pop like crazy
1: Mm. it's like it's like any other muscle group like some people might favorably have a really good leg structure because it's not just about the amount of muscle it's also about the structure Mm. so i would say unfortunately Tiara and I, we have abs, but we don't have the best structure.
0: I don't think you should put yourself in this box. Uh, I'm putting
1: myself in this box. (laughs) I
0: think that you have a very, very impressive core. Like, I think I should be in this box, you know, because there's not much there. And I'm like Steve, I'm working my butt off to build a core, you Mm -hmm. know? I've been... 51 kilograms before you know and my stomach was just concave you should should say
1: at 176 centimeters at
0: 176 centimeters like this was years and years ago not a healthy body weight whatsoever but ridiculously low body fat levels i did not have any resemblance of a six-pack i just i was just concaved in my stomach because i didn't have the muscularity there so that's Mm. why i'm saying guys like you can't expect to just diet down and see muscle bellies or sure you might see the muscle belly but they're not going to be very impressive you know mm-hmm. like you could die it down and you might see your bicep or you might see a calf striation but it's not going to be much to uh, boast yeah. about
1: and it i guess it's it's interesting because i do have a lot of guys who ask me oh should we be training abs or uh, how come there isn't abs in my program and for people who already have decent abdominal structure I don't think like there's only so much you're going to get from just training it more. Like Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, like that's just my opinion. I I think people with favorable structure who have nice blocky abs, they don't need to be training their abs. It's kind Mm -hmm. of just like additional fatigue or additional time spent. You could be doing something else.
0: But also the reason why those people have abdominals and they like, for example, you might be training someone who's 25 or 35 years old or something, and they have core musculature but they're like yeah i don't really train my abs that often probably just growing up over the decades they've just almost subconsciously just always engaged their core when they've been doing exercises Mm. or particularly for young kids who grow up doing certain sports like gymnastics gymnastics, man
1: i've never seen a gymnast without a six-pack yeah because
0: (laughs) think of all the somersaults yeah (laughs) i know
1: all those l-sits
0: exactly but Yeah. That's the thing. When it actually comes to training your core, I think people need to be strategic with it too. And think of your core as just as any other muscle group as well. So I would argue that you need to take it through that eccentric, concentric contraction, and you need to be progressively overloading over time, actually with resistance. So sometimes when people are like, Oh yeah, I'll train my core. I'll just do a plank. Right. When we actually think about a plank. That is not the best exercise for growing up. It's an isometric
1: contraction. Yeah,
0: so that's isometric. So when we think about isometric, it means that the muscle. Is constantly at the same length. Mm. It's like trying to grow your quads from doing wall sits. Mm. You know, it's gonna burn, but yeah, you're not gonna like get on stage with Jack Radford Smith quads. Sorry about that. (laughs) No matter how much it hurts or no matter how much your PT or your basketball coach is yelling at you, don't give up, (laughs) 30 seconds to go. But yeah, that's isometric when the muscle is just constantly at the same length, but you want an isotonic. Contraction. So that's when the muscle is uh, having tension applied and it's going through an eccentric concentric contraction. So it's lengthening and it's shortening, but using the same weight.
1: Mm, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, totally. And I like for we've been, we actually have different preferences in terms of what we like. Like Mm -hmm. personally, I prefer weighted abdominal exercises, which I can, yeah, well, Tiara does as well, but we just have preferences over which they are. Mm. Uh, So like I prefer things like, uh, cable crunches, mm-hmm. and machine crunches.
0: Yeah, I love I love the ab crunch machine as well. Just never really been able to get that connection with the mm. cable crunch.
1: I just, I don't think you've tried hard I've enough.
0: Just, <laughs> I'm going to put my hand and say that too. Have not <laughs> persisted enough, but I connect really well with the ab crunch machine. Yeah. And weighted decline sit-ups work well um. for me too, but not planks, man. Planks, <laughs> like, you know, you'll, you might grow some... I actually
1: do something called a serratus plank, but it's actually, it's a dynamic plank where mm. I... I don't know, you, you might be able to look up serratus plank. It might be too specific to search, but it's basically because my abdominal structure is, again, I'm putting myself in that box where it's not great, but my serratus, which is those finger-like muscles on either side of your abs, is even worse. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, again, me growing up, I've never properly engaged them. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm actually training more this off-season is my serratus, so that can be a bit more developed, uh, and, and cause I had to dig really deep to get my serratus in. And even then it wasn't that visible on mm. the side. Uh, so yeah. that,
0: that raises another good point too. If you actually want any muscle group to be more prominent, you need to grow and develop that muscle group yeah. so that no matter what body fat percentage you're at, it's more likely to protrude from underneath your mm. body fat. So you don't have to get ridiculously stupid lean just to see one little thing. Yeah. You know, and potentially sacrifice a whole bunch of other tissue as well. Yeah, yeah, so
1: to wrap this question up, yes, you can definitely grow your abs, do a dynamic movement for it, so an isotonic movement. Uh so basically go through a concentric and eccentric phase mm-hmm. under load, preferably, and even things like a leg raise technically you're under load because mm-hmm. that's your legs. Yeah. Um But
0: be wary of that too cuz a lot of these movements sometimes you can engage a lot of hip flexors. And that
1: brings me onto my next point. Make sure you are like contracting your abdominal. So ultimately you want an element of back flexion because when you flex your back, you're crunching your abs. Mm. And a lot of people, especially on things like the machine crunch or the abdominal crunch, cable abdominal crunch, they're they're not actually incorporating back flexion. They're just bending at the hips Mm -hmm. and with a neutral spine. And that's not going to be doing anything other than working your your hip flexors maybe.
0: A little trick that I got around that well, you actually showed me the very first time I started using the ab crunch machine is that it has those little pads underneath where mm. you can actually lock your feet in so that you're really stabilized and you could really crunch down. But that's just going to recruit a hell of a lot more hip flexors. Yeah. So if you actually...
1: Anything but the abs. Yeah.
0: So, so if you actually don't lock your feet into those little pads, you just let them hang. You just let your legs hang over the seat and you really focus on recruiting your core. And whenever I'm doing crunches, I always breathe out with every single rep. I find that that actually really helps me recruit my core. But ultimately, guys, if any muscle group is lacking, train it in a progressive overload manner, Mm. and hopefully that thing grows. But (laughs) if you know you just have it, or (laughs) it just grows indirectly from other exercises, you're blessed. Mm, Yeah. But I want to be like Steve Hall. I want to make a gnarly comparison from this past season, where again I had like two little blocks, <laughs> and like right, right under my sternum, like I had those two little ones. But I want to be able to make a gnarly abdominal comparison in two and a half years from now, showing that abs are not made in the kitchen. Abs are actually made in the gym.
1: Yeah, cool. Well, as per usual, we're going to end this episode on something that we each learnt this week, mm-hmm. and I'll let you kick this off here.
0: I actually learned something from good old Woolworths. I learned that it takes two years to grow a pineapple. Wow. Two years to grow a pineapple. And that's just wild to me. Think about how that's much...
1: Like a how, whole off-season.
0: That's a whole off-season. Your Your entire off-season, one pineapple was yeah. grown. <laughs> So don't you dare waste your pineapples, guys. Don't you dare let those things go rotten. Make sure you
1: eat the skin on that thing. Don't waste
0: it. Okay, maybe you don't have to eat the skin. Uh, You might get some GIT issues with that. But definitely freeze that stuff. Pineapple is like the number one fruit for texture in ice cream. But yeah, I was just thinking about that. Because they sell them for $1 at Sam Coco's. They're selling avocados right now for $0.05 an avocado. That's that's just nuts to me. But I I put a price on that. I'm like two years of that something thing's I've life. realized
1: with the cheaper avocados, and obviously cheap is cheap, and mm-hmm. like it tastes the same. But I found that some avocados they have those hard balls in them, mm. like the it's almost like those those moth ball things that you store in, with the towels mm. to to re- prevent them going mouldy. Um that's,
0: that it's like not the, very nice. <laughs> like
1: the half the size of your fingernail, and they're perfectly spherical, and then. They like attached to the skin of the avocado. I've always mm. wondered why they form. Have you? Do you know what I am talking about?
0: Well, I know that obviously Sam Kokos, it's a discount fruit barn. Yeah. I think any sort of any sort of fruit or vegetable is going to have obviously little animals. <laughs> uh,
1: Animal abnormalities? Do you mean not
0: abno- Well, that thing would be from an organism, wouldn't it?
1: No, I don't think so. It's it's kind of just like a hardening of the of the fruit inside the avocado. It sure must be yeah. But that's know.
0: again why it's, it's so cheap, but it's still just as nutritious and it's the same thing. But that's why you pay like quadruple the price if you go to your supermarket because you get like this glowing green avocado mm. or all of your perfect fruit. Yeah. Uh, God. Yeah. Anyway, Jack, what did you learn this week?
1: Uh, so I learned that uh, banded leg press is very, very tough, <laughs> uh, but in the best way possible. So, yeah, that's something new that I've been doing in my, in my block of training. And I think it's, it's a really good transition for me because I've been doing the same amount of. I go into th- phases for leg press where, like in prep, I'll m- maintain or even in- increase my leg press. But if I look back over the years, my leg press hasn't, unfortunately, hasn't changed too much. And I got to a bit of a wall with it. Mm. And kind of incorporating the banded aspect of it is, is going to be really useful to just add more variety and. Progress with something that's a little bit different.
0: So, how much weight did you actually have to take off when you added on the bands?
1: Uh, good question. Probably, I'm doing a hammer strength plate loaded. Usually, I'll do like eight to nine plates a side. And I've taken that down to about five to six. Mm. Uh, and that's adding to, I don't know the specific band uh, resistance, but it's two red bands from Heart Sports. Mm-hmm. I think it's around like 30-ish kilos each.
0: And before we finish, I have one more interesting question for you. Just curious. When you load up a leg press, you know how it has the different metal bars? Some are closer to you, some are further away. Just for those dudes with massive egos who want to load up (laughs) 50 plates on a leg press and move a quarter of an inch. Anyway, if you load up your plates further away from the platform compared to closer, do you notice a difference in how difficult the movement is?
1: Yes, yeah, so I think the the higher up plates um, make it a slightly easier.
0: Slightly easier?
1: Yeah. Oh. Cuz it's about the distribution of weight and the weight it's going to be just incrementally more like a vertical leg press when you're when the weight distribution is further up. So it's going to be more do you know what I mean? Like I do. The, the weight the center of gravity is going to be slightly higher up which means it's going to make it slightly easier, I think. Like that's just me speculating.
0: But then wouldn't it be harder to push back? I we're going to have to get someone who knows a hell of a lot more about physics <laughs> or biomechanics to tell us the answer to this question. Because I thought it might be harder because like the moment arm is longer because the weights are further away from you
1: yeah again i have no idea I'm if just anyone knows
0: the answer to this question hit us up on tbd please <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> anyway guys thank you so much for listening to this episode if you did enjoy it please remember to take a screenshot post it to your instagram stories tag jack tag myself tag tbd and we'll catch you next week